1: what which this that or the other from bonnaroo to coachella traversing the music festival landscape can be
0: tricky that's where we come in with high fives for everyone the what podcast with brad barry lord taco
1: dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in brooklyn where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born.
0: Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at whatpodcast.com, work. Also, really good at identifying babies.
1: Hey you, have you checked out my book, In Defense of Ska, yet? It was one of Rolling Stone's top recommended picks in June of 2021. Esquire magazine called it an excellent read, and GQ said that it was an intelligent look at the much maligned genre and its various waves. So what are you waiting for? Get yourself a copy of In Defense of Ska right now at Clashbooks.com. In 2011, the members of indie punk group Katana met at a party in South Philadelphia and decided to start a band because it sounded like fun, which is exactly how punk rock is supposed to work. And to their surprise, a bunch of people all over the world fell in love with their music. Even though the group broke up in 2019, singer and guitarist Augusta Koch our guest today has remained active in music, primarily with her new group, Glady. We brought her in to discuss all of this, and more importantly, her ska roots, which go way beyond screaming on a couple of tracks on Jeff Rosenstock's ska dream. So in the movie Uncle Peckerhead, there's a band.
0: It's a movie about a band on tour. And there, there's actors in the movie pretending to be the band. But Augusta's actually the voice of one of the singers. Amazing. I was so stoked to find this out because that movie blew my mind in that it was a fun movie and that the band was good. It was rad to find out that it actually had some real punk rock roots.
1: And unfortunately, we found this out right after we finished recording the interview, so we didn't get to talk about it. We had just stopped recording, and I asked Augusta a question about somebody in one of her music videos.
0: And it turned out there was a connection there back to Uncle Peckerhead.
1: That's so crazy. Very excited to hear that. But yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't talk about it. But we did get to talk about a lot of cool stuff unrelated to Uncle Peckerhead.
0: Like what, Aaron?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's ska roots. You know, some of her band, um, Gladi. There's all kinds of great stuff. I think a lot of people's stories start and end with ska. The other day, I got a call from Mike Park, and he said... um, you got to have Augusta Koch on the podcast. (laughs) And (laughs) and he goes, goes, she's got ska roots.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. He was doing an Instagram live the other day and I was like, I just popped on and we were chatting. Yeah. I love him. He's so funny. (laughs) He's great. I love watching his internet persona. It's so weird and funny.
1: Oh my God. Yeah.
0: Mike holds his phone too close to his face when he talks.
2: Um, Uh (laughs) (laughs) i love when he randomly goes live though it's really fun
1: yeah you and mike did uh that song cool places the the spark song
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when when was that was that like two years ago or it was
2: uh early coronavirus
1: oh okay yeah
2: yeah he just randomly was like do you want to sing on this and i was like yeah that'd be great and then was like, "All right, we're doing a music video. You have to dance." I'm sending you a screen screen and I was like, "I did not sign up for this. I don't want to dance in front of people ever." And then I did, and I would uh I was so I was so bad. I was trying to dance in my room. It was so embarrassing. You know when you do something embarrassing when no one's around and
0: yeah. it's
2: even it's even worse. Yep. That's and I was <laughs> I was like sweating so bad in a suit. Didn't have air conditioning. I was like, "This is so mortifying but it it came out it was fun
0: (laughs) did you know the song before that no no i didn't no it was fully just mike throwing you in the fire here sing this song that you don't know and wear this suit and dance in front of a green screen by yourself
2: (laughs) yeah i had nothing going on i was open to it
0: that's kind of like what it's like being friends with mike right
2: i kind of like it though because i was like (laughs) i don't i'm down to do whatever weird thing you want me to do i think he's so great so
1: sure Oh, did you have your own green screen? How did that work?
2: He mailed me one.
1: He mailed you a green screen?
2: Yeah, he ordered it and sent it to my house, which is cool because now I have a green screen.
1: Oh, wow, that's cool. Have you
0: used it since?
2: No, but I feel like I will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you will. (laughs) But
2: if I, you know, I don't know, if I want to make a weird green screen video of me not dancing, now I have one.
0: What things are you doing right now during this time in history besides music? What are you doing?
2: Besides music?
0: Yeah, what are you doing just to fill your time?
2: Well, for, I didn't, I wasn't working for most of the pandemic, uh, uh-huh. uh, traditionally traditional work, as they say, Right. <laughs> I, I was a waitress at the same bar for like 10 years. And that was my only like job as an adult human. So during the pandemic, I ended up moving back, um, from Philly to my hometown of the Poconos. My, my boyfriend has a recording studio there. Um, i just kind of lived there and got really into uh making like stained glass i got sober <laughs> I got real weird started reading a lot
0: yeah i think i saw one of your stained glass things i did someone use it for a seven inch cover
2: oh yeah max stern um from signals midwest he's a friend of mine and he uh used it which was really cool it's just kind of getting real weird um working on a lot of music I just started working at a guitar store like two weeks ago, I'm doing like wedding photography. I don't know what the hell I'm doing,
1: but <laughs>
2: <laughs> doing stuff.
1: I'm curious, like, you know, a lot of people who were working at restaurants and bars have decided that they're not returning. Is that you or is it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I really liked it. I mean, especially to try and tour, it's like impossible. It's really hard to find a job that you can leave and that's kind of why I stayed at that restaurant for so long. Mm. And I love like I loved it. It became a weird little family for me, but I also like physically just couldn't do it anymore. Um and I was like, "Dude, I I can't serve beer and burgers for another 10 years." <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of just had to. It was a good opportunity because I love I loved that job so much. I don't know if I would have left if there wasn't a pandemic.
1: Yeah, I spent probably a decade uh, you know, waiting tables at various restaurants. It's uh, I like that it was high pace. I like that it was like I like the energy of it. But yeah, it's also a thing that it feels good to step away from at the same time, though.
2: It sure does. But it's also so weird now that I'm trying to find other work. It's like I do like the fact that when you leave a restaurant, you're done. Yeah, you're like done for the day, and you're like, okay, I can do whatever I want. Because really, you know, when you're trying to do music, it's like you free time that you have not working is you're working on music and it's, I like to have a lot of that.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I do like journalism and, and freelance writing and stuff. And it is like a never ending list of, of assignments and projects and things that I'm in the middle of.
2: That's draining too.
1: I appreciate what you're saying. Like when I used to work at restaurants, it's like, yeah, I will, I leave the restaurant. I'm done. I don't have to worry about anything, but yeah, it's like when you, when you're working on like writing projects and, and stuff like that, it's like, it just feels like you have to consciously stop at a certain point to say that you're not working anymore because you could just continue endlessly.
2: Yeah, totally. I'm bad at that too. So I'm like, I love to like get in a free meal and then get to go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feed me and then I'm see you, see you tomorrow.
1: <laughs> so, so let's hear about these ska roots that uh Oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh I like that uh Mike called that's really funny. Um he did he I definitely grew up like in high school being like a ska kid. Uh oh yeah. But but I mean I was I don't know. It was I feel like ska I'm thirty I'm about to be thirty three, so when I was in high school there was a big that's what that's what everybody liked. It wasn't that unique. You know what I mean?
0: What year was that, that you were in high school?
2: I graduated t- 2007.
0: 2007. Okay, so 2007, 2006, 2005. So 2004 to 2007. Yeah. around <laughs> <a roundabout. laughs> So, But I'm just, I'm just trying to get a gauge of it because, like, you know, by the time 2000 rolled around, I feel like, you know, ska was very much in decline. And then by 2002, I feel like it was, like, a bad word. And so, in 2000, so he, to hear that teenagers in 2004 up to through 2007 were getting into ska is, is interesting to me.
2: I never said I was cool.
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but you were a teenager. You were a teenager yeah. and you were into ska.
2: Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I feel like uh, Lesson Jake was like huge. That was like a big thing that I loved. Um, big D and the kids' table, like that kind of stuff. I feel like people liked that. I went to Catholic school until high school. And I met, like, one of the only friends I made in public school introduced me to ska, like, right when I started high school.
0: What's the first thing you remember them playing for you?
2: I'm trying to think. Definitely, I feel like Big D and the Kids Table. Okay. To be honest. Or Streetlight Manifesto, one of those. Um, But I started going to shows with him a lot. And we had a ska band together that was terrible. And I would just go to every show that he would go to. Our, like, his parents or my mom would, would just drive us every weekend. Yeah, he he was a huge influence on me, and he really loved Ska, and then became a hardcore kid a few years later. Pretty disappointing. Of but,
0: course. That's the through line right there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> definitely. But we had our our years of going to shows together, um, just Ska shows. It was awesome.
0: What shows do you remember going to together?
2: I feel like we would see, there was a lot of local conoscop bands in like the Northeastern area. Like there was this band called No Service Project that we would see all the time. This band called Slightly Askew. Um, I think Bomb, the music industry would play a lot. Maybe that was later in my high school years, but um, the Menzingers actually used to be in a ska band called Bob and the Saggots. They would play a lot.
1: Huh. Did you know about that, Adam?
0: I didn't know about that.
2: Oh, you got to get them on. on here. Yeah, for sure. They had a real their music was super funny.
1: Tell us a little bit about Bob and the Saggates.
2: I feel like it was almost everybody in. I don't know if Greg Barnett was in it, but it was Tom May and Eric from the Menzingers. And I think Joe. But it was like kind of i remember they had lyrics about like avril levine being fake or something it was really funny and it, i feel like it was like it was definitely a ska band but also you could tell they really liked really liked 311 because there was like a spacey part where tom was like talking about weed it was cool wow
1: was it like punky or was it more uh, mid-tempo type ska stuff
2: i feel like it was more mid-tempo from what i remember mm-hmm there was a little bit of, like, Tom would kind of, like, rap a little, <laughs> like, ska rap a little. <laughs> I don't know if they want this known, but it's fun. Oh, it's it's known it's now. It's out there now. <laughs> yeah, sorry.
0: You can't escape it. I mean, but, you know, it's the cumulative thing of doing, you know, rapping like you're in 311 mm-hmm. that shapes you into the band you become.
2: Totally. And I feel like a lot of good bands had ska bands first.
0: Totally. Okay, so can we talk a little bit about your ska band? What was
1: the name of your ska band?
2: The Blue Bananas.
1: Nice. <laughs> Such a good name. <laughs> why, why was it The Blue Bananas, though?
2: I have no idea. I think that was my friend Dom who just like named the band. But really, it was kind of an excuse. His parents owned a pizza shop, and we would have band practice, which meant we would just go and eat pizza. And then jump on his tramp, <laughs> jump, jump on his trampoline with like instruments for a little bit and then like watch skate videos in his room. Um,
1: wow. That is like, that is like a cartoon version of what it's like to be a high school. <laughs> like every yeah, it was
2: awesome.
0: <laughs> it
1: sounds it so, so awesome. wholesome and amazing.
2: <laughs> we covered, I, I think we only had one original song, which is hilarious. The lyrics to it are hilarious. I sang in the band. I didn't play music, like play instruments at the time. And I don't think, I don't know if I wrote the lyrics or not. Like, I honestly can't remember. And I'm devastated that, do you know, remember Pure Volume? Yeah. That you can't access Pure Volume because it used oh, yeah. to be on there.
0: That whole, like, part. that era of internet is all just like a graveyard like myspace and pure volume live journal
2: it's so sad that i can't find it because i would it would be so funny to hear but we had (laughs) we had this song called ska memorial and i kind of kind of rapped a little bit and it was like the lyrics were like attention all shoppers there's a dirty fascist on aisle three or maybe he's a cop they're all the same to me (laughs) (laughs) but i was like i was like 16 i don't it was it's so funny but uh we had that song it was a hit and um then we covered the beastie boys fight for your right ska version nice and misfits hybrid moments i think that was it we would just play those over and over again
1: you only had three songs
2: i feel like maybe oh you know we've also covered choking victims choking victim
1: Oh, wow, what a what a range! Yeah,
2: <laughs> but I we we played a we we were trying to play our school's battle of the bands, and you had to submit the lyrics to the school, and the principal like took me out of class and had the lyrics to Choking Victim printed out, and he was like, "Listen, Augusta, like you're a nice kid, you can't sing these lyrics. They'd like depict you as a bum." And I was like, oh, all right. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I don't even think we played, I think we didn't play it. I was too scared. Wow.
0: So, did you guys ever get to play a show or? No, we did. Just a, okay, great.
2: We, we played, uh, I think, like three shows.
0: What do you remember about those shows?
2: They were terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible.
0: What was so bad about it?
2: I was so scared. I didn't play guitar. So, I just stood there and held the microphone like a huge dork. Yeah, no, we were just a really bad band because really we didn't really practice that much. We were just mostly eating pizza. Um, but we liked being like a band, like, you know, in a band, like having a crew of friends.
0: And was it just a, a four piece band, just guitar, bass, drums, vocals, or did you have a horn section?
2: Uh, I, we had a friend that had a horn that would come once in a while, but I don't think they ever played with us.
1: Do You remember the, the spaces you played these three shows?
2: Well, two of them were at my friend Dominic's house because he would also have. He had a little garage called Club Baby Seals, and <laughs> <laughs> it's really inappropriate. Such now, an but, edgy
0: teenage name for it.
2: Yeah, um, so we would play there. He would have like some cool punk shows there, and then at my my high school was
1: our other big performance. What did the other kids at the high school performance think of your show? What was the reaction like?
2: I feel like we were played pretty early in the the battle of the bands. Definitely didn't like it. I do remember like running to the bathroom because it was in the cafeteria. I ran to the bathroom after because I was so embarrassed and I was like sweating through my clothes and I had make I wore a lot of like heavy eyeliner at the time and it was all over my face. And this girl was like, you can't fix it when I was looking in the mirror and I was like, this is horrible. Oh my God. Um, I don't think anyone liked it. No.
1: So this was your first band ever that you were in. Oh yeah. And were you just asked to join or were you in part of the creation of this band, the process of that?
2: I think I honestly, no, I'm not sure. I feel like it just happened, uh, because I was so close with the kid Dominic who played drums Mm-hmm. that it was more like oh you'll sing I'll play drums and then like this kid Drew will play bass you know like it I think we were all just bored.
0: What's Dominic doing now? Do you still keep in contact with him?
2: I do actually. He's he's amazing. He lives in um in New York City. He he works he does like production like film TV stuff. Mm. He's pretty successful.
0: Do you think Dominic still likes ska?
2: Definitely not. Damn. I don't think so. No.
0: Okay, so you came into playing guitar a little bit later. But mm-hmm. during that band, did you try playing guitar?
2: I did. I did, yeah. Um, not like for around that time was when I was like, oh, I really want to play guitar. And I took lessons, but the dude was a creep.
0: Oh, that's not good. And then
2: I was like, ah, fuck this. I'm not going to do this for a while. And then it wasn't until I was like later when I lived in, moved to Philly where I was like, I really want to be in a band. I need to play an instrument. I have to actually try. Um, yeah, so it took me a very long time.
0: Can you play ska guitar?
2: A little bit, a little bit. At, yeah. And uh, when in Kaitana, um, Kelly, the drummer, she she grew up loving ska too. So when we would be on tour, we would always like if if she and I were awake in the morning, Allegra, the bass player, does definitely doesn't not like ska, but didn't like it as a kid, at, like when she was young. Right. you know um so we would always make this joke like oh you don't like ska you're not like you can't hang with us like just kidding around <laughs> and it was really funny because my, when we kaitana did a seven inch on asian man
1: yeah and
2: and mike like engraved in the record like kelly and augusta like ska it was really funny she did um, oh my god That's yeah it was amazing. awesome amazing it was so funny. But he didn't tell me either. And then when we got them, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And Allegra would always be like, I like Rancid. Like, <laughs> I like Ska. <laughs> sometimes if we would be practicing, I'd be like, what if we just made Ska versions of all of this so- all of these songs? That would be so fun. So we would, like, fuck around like that sometimes.
0: Would it drive the bass player crazy?
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you could do a lot of fun things in playing bass in a Ska band.
0: Totally, playing being a bass player in the ska band is like
2: yeah, you really shine.
0: You want to be able to shred. That's that's the music way. So speaking of ska versions of songs, mm-hmm. you you took part in Ska Dream. Yeah, that was fun. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, um, kind of like what happened with Mike, Jeff was just like, "Do you want to sing on this?" And I was like, "I would absolutely love to." Um, and I feel like it it was really nice Jeff got, like would ask me to do some stuff during the pandemic which was great um because we have a recording studio at the house it's like super easy for me to just like run over there and yeah he was like do you want to like scream and i was like yes please let me it was it was so nice of him to let me be a part of that and it was just so cool and it was it was nice to see so many Jeff is so good at getting people to get like bringing people together and like including his friends and projects. And it was awesome to see the response that that got.
1: Did you um, know much about like everybody involved with the project while you were recording or?
2: No, I didn't. He he I don't think on the email thread, it wasn't like who was a part of it until the day that it was coming out. Or like when he was like, post this on Instagram; it's, it will be funny. Um, <laughs> like at four twenty, we're all going to post this thing. Um, but I wasn't surprised because I feel like he always involves his friends in so many things. Um, it was cool
1: though. So tell tell people what exactly you did on the record.
2: I think. Well, I think I sc- I just like kind of screamed <laughs>
1: <I'm>
2: like two <laughs> on like two songs.
1: You were hired as the screamer.
2: Yeah, it was great. That's, I, would lo- I would love to be that, fill that role.
0: <laughs> I would never picture you as being like the screamer. Do you like music with lots of screaming in it? No. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I know.
2: But I do like, I, I mean, it's funny because I feel like the this pandemic and just kind of losing my mind a little bit this year. I was like, I kind of just want to play like, the music that I've been making with Glady are we've only had one record out. Um and, but we recorded a bunch of like stuff this these past two years. But I I was definitely trying to be like, Oh, I would love to make like a indie record or like something easy to listen to and now I'm just like I just wanna sing like loud. Not like screamy, but like
1: Just belt belt loud and
2: kind of Yeah, like more like fast songs. I tried the slow songs. It's not working for me.
1: You you feel like the pandemic is affecting you in that way, like it's making you want to to be loud and 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 have the fast songs. Honestly, yeah. Interesting. You know that's that's interesting because um, the Gladys LP, which came out in, like a, a month before lockdown, so you obviously recorded it before any of this. Mm-hmm. To me, it sounds a lot like what a lot of bands have been doing for their quarantine albums Mm. like it's it's, um (laughs) (laughs) it's it's yeah it's got that that vibe to it it's also has that like um what you know sort of like that synthy element that sort of intimate thing so it's interesting that that was something you were making before all this and the, the the pandemic has not encouraged you to want to go in that direction further. You want to go in the opposite direction.
2: Yeah, kind of. I mean, the weird thing that kind of really sucks is right before, like before the pandemic hit, I kind of had my own like version of isolation. I like really isolated myself the year prior and then was finally like coming out of it right before, um, you know, when the record came out, I was like, all right, I'm ready to tour. I'm ready to like be social again. <laughs> then, then I lost it. Um, but yeah, now I'm just like, I want to write like fast fun songs that are depressing in, in lyrically, you know, I think that's my wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> S- sounds like you're in the pipeline to make a ska album.
2: <laughs> you know, what's funny. I feel like Scott, I was talking to Max, Stern and Ian Farmer who plays in, in Slaughter Beach Dog. And we had, we were early pandemic. We were like, we should start a ska band. I feel like it's coming back. Like, and we, we've always kind of talked about that for the past few years. And I was like, damn guys, we got to do this. Like people like ska again. So I sh- I should do it. We should do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of the, the stigma around it from, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands has, kind of been washed away by the onward pressing of time, you know, new, new crops of kids who never, you know, weren't alive when all that happened. And also I feel like the new ska bands that are forming are just better bands they are better at writing songs.
2: Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, I don't know. I've always felt like what attracted me to ska in high school when I was young in those formative years where you like develop your music taste was that it didn't have like the air of of snobbiness that a lot of music does have? Yeah, like I love indie music. The people when I I don't know a lot of indie musicians that I have met and tried to like be friends with are kind of mean, <laughs> but <laughs> like you like ska kids and fans are usually really nice, at least in my experience. Obviously, not everybody, but it's more like I don't know. It always had the air of like if you're weird, if you know, like come as you are, that was the vibe that I always got from it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And now
2: see now seeing like young, the younger musicians than me on Twitter or whatever, like Scott network and we are the union and cat bite, all those bands. They all seem like really nice and kids love it. Yeah. It's awesome.
1: I had my own version of what you said for 2019 and, and that is that I was, um, really, really deep in writing my book to the Mm -hmm. point where I had to just set aside everything else in my life. And yeah, I would I would basically yeah, I would be I would my wife and I canceled some travel plans because I was so deep into trying to write and I would get up and just sit on my computer all day till the till the end of the evening writing. So it's similar to me in the sense too that i spent pretty much 2019 Indoors doing nothing except writing. And then, like, this pandemic started, and it's like, ooh.
2: I know. What a bad choice we both made.
1: (laughs) Were you doing something, a project, or were you just in it? Was it just a mood you were in at the time?
2: Well, I knew that Kaitana was ending, and that was a huge part of my life for so long. And I didn't know what to do. I was just like, all right, what do I do now? Like, Am I just going to work at this restaurant? I was just depressed and worked on that record for a long time and was just like, you know, we had, Kaitana did like tour a fair amount and I was used to that. And then I was like, Oh, I have to like live in Philly and I'm not going anywhere. Um, So yeah, I kind of just would work and then come home and sit in my very small apartment and worked on that record a lot. And uh yeah, I mean everything happens the way it does, but it was interesting to have that year before all of this stuff went down. Like we Gladi was on tour for the record when COVID hit. Um and I was like so ready to be back touring.
0: was oh, so, like I could
2: do that like we had a lot of touring plans. And I was like, this is awesome. These shows are great. Like, and then we ended up just like driving straight home from Chicago. But, you know, that's what happened. Everybody's life got turned around.
0: Yeah, I feel like we've heard that same story echoed by so many different artists where, you know, they were all had, you know, lots of plans lined up. (laughs) And we were really excited about things. And then everybody got shut down and everybody, and it was so sudden that it, like you were saying, you were on in the middle of tour and you just had to drive straight home.
2: I don't know. I feel like we've all probably experienced this in different ways where it's like, there's nothing we could do to, to stop this anyway, but I feel like we all learned hopefully some good things from this time. Like it definitely helped heal my relationship with music a little bit to just have nothing on the table. Like I can't tour, can't really. Even right now, like I have a record done, but I don't know what I'm gonna do with it because vinyl is so backed up. Like Mm -hmm. it kind of just took like a lot of the crap away, and then just was like, oh wow, why is music great? Because we can turn to it in times that are really scary, or like we can listen to. Like I did a lot of revisiting music that I loved growing up or like just nostalgic music during this time. And I was like, Oh yeah. Music is so fun. Like (laughs) forget all this bullshit that goes along with it. Like it kind of helped me in that way.
1: Was there any, um, albums or bands in particular that you really turned to during last year and stuff?
2: Um, yeah, I was trying to listen to a lot of, a lot of stuff. I really tried to make a point to, actively listen to music more you know um honestly my partner and i would who he is also grew up as like a ska kid too would uh just listen we would put on stuff in the car of like stuff we loved when we were younger i grew up being like a huge huge rx bandits fan oh wow so i they were my favorite band um so I listened to a ton of Rx Bandits during the pandemic.
0: Wait, so which era of Rx Bandits though?
2: All of it. Honestly. Oh, wow. It's funny because I definitely got into them when they were pretty pretty ska. Um and then kind of it like their music kind of changed with me as I got older. And now I don't think they would be called a ska band now by any means. But they definitely were.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely around, you know, Progress, Resignation.
2: Progress and Resignation were like the my records, you know, Um, I would drive to see them. That was a band that I would like drive all over to see. I was very obsessed with them. Um, But yeah, like stuff like that, just music that you really loved.
0: And then what was Matt playing for you? Do you remember?
2: Um, what's that? Ba- you you guys would definitely know this band, uh, Bandits of the Acoustic Revolu- Revolution. What is it? is that? What they're called? oh yeah,
0: that's the the precursor to uh, Streetlight. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, we would listen to that a lot, just like stuff from that era, just for fun.
1: Was there anything um, not related to ska that was also fit that category that you guys would be listening to?
2: I mean, I kind of always listen. I feel like I'm always in a weird way listening to the mountain goats.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, that's, that's the band for me that I'm old mountain goats, new mountain goats. I'm, I feel very lucky. They have so many albums.
1: I love the mountain goats. I'm not a big fan of the uh, early stuff. The, uh, the recorded on a boom box stuff that mm-hmm. other than yeah. the uh, best, the best metal band from uh, what is that Benton? song? Yeah. That, yeah i will i will s I will applaud that song, but uh I think uh Tallahassee is where i I jump on board with mountain goats
2: oh, so good.
1: What's your favorite mountain goats record?
2: I like that record, and I also like um what's it called well, Sunset Tree is how I first heard them, which I feel mm-hmm. like is a lot of a lot of people's um what's the one that has San Bernardino on it uh oh it
1: has, I,
2: I forget the name, but it has like a gray cover, yeah like looks like a cloud of doom or something um i'm so bad at uh, <laughs> album titles i know what it looks like um but that one the yeah. one that i can't remember is the one i like the most heretic pride heretic pride and, yes. get Lo- and get lonely those both are great
1: yeah i love those we shall be healed i think is my personal favorite mm. which is uh have you listened to that one? a That's a weird concept album about uh, his meth days.
2: I am fascinated by the fact that he has that history.
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as I understand, it's a little it's a little unclear to me uh, how much of his stuff is autobiographical and how much of it is fictional. Mm Because he kind of I think he goes in both directions like he kind of. You know, he allows himself as a writer to be extremely autobiographical. And then other times he ex- allows himself to be basically a fiction writer. But yeah. that is the concept of the album, nonetheless, whether it's his history or not.
2: I don't think I've heard that.
1: Uh, give it a listen. You'll like it. I will.
2: That's the nice thing. There's so much. Oh, you know? yeah.
1: They, I think they put out like four or five albums since the pandemic started.
2: Yeah, oh that I really like <laughs> the The in league with dragons is a great. Uh,
1: yeah, a great yeah. one.
2: I haven't even really listened to the, the get, what is it? The Knives.
1: What is it called? Getting into Knives. Yeah.
2: I haven't even gotten to listen to it that much. They put out, they just put out so much music.
1: I like that. I think the Goths, which that's a couple of years old, but that's my favorite newish album by them.
2: You know what? I gotta say, I didn't like it that much.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. It's a little different. I yeah. I, I can acknowledge that. And uh, no, I, I could see, but yeah, I, I liked it though. I appreciated it.
2: I am I think that's going to be the first um like big show I'm going to. Oh, nice. Which I'm excited about. It'll be great.
0: How are you feeling about attending a show during this time?
2: Uh I went we were kind of talking about that. Like I went to a show last night, but it was outside um at a skate park in Philly. And it was great. Um I still feel weird. I I'm kind of a socially anxious person in general. And then I I stopped drinking during uh the pandemic so i feel like i'm going in to like big crowds with a lot like not (laughs) not drinking and coming out of this pandemic so it's i feel like i'm being real weird but i'm really excited i'm honestly just really excited to see music when i got to play with laura and i was watching everybody like singing along to her i was like damn this is so nice like i forgot how good it felt to just hear music and watch people listen to music and feel happy. Like I didn't even really think about how happy everybody is because this is all, this is something we all love that we haven't got to experience in so long.
0: How was that, that first time back getting up on stage and, and singing?
2: I mean, honestly, that was probably the first time I ever played sober. I was really, really nervous. And also it was a very small club. And just like the pandemic, like being scared to not have a mask on in a room full of people. But once I started playing, I had a great time and wasn't really nervous anymore. So that was kind of a big step for me personally, because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to handle having to stand in front of people right now. (laughs) Yeah, But it was great.
0: So when we talked to Laura Jane Grace, one of the big things that we talked about was wanting an Operation Ivy reunion show. Where do you stand on that?
2: I would love to see it. I would love to see it. I think it'd be great. I would hope. I don't know. Reunions are so strange. Like I think it would, people really need it right now. <laughs> it would be really nice.
1: <laughs> that was her case. We, we all need it after this year.
2: Like it would just, they're such a, I feel like they're a band that, for some reason, everybody likes. Do you guys feel like that? Like you can't not like it. Like normie people like it. It's just fun. It's such a big record. Like it's such an important record to so many people. So I don't know. It would be awesome. It would be weird to see it at like a, I feel like personally seeing it, uh, you guys were talking about it being at like Riot Fest, right? Right. I feel like it would be cool to see it as a tour. Like, I don't, I wouldn't be down so much to go to a festival, but I would love to see it at like a show. I don't yeah. Know. I,
0: I hate festivals, but Me too. If, it, if it was at a festival, I'm going to the festival.
2: Yeah. That, I mean, Riot Fest is definitely the coolest festival as far as festivals go. I think.
0: And from the sound of it, it sounds like they actually do, do contact those folks every year and, and try to make it happen.
2: I mean, it would be great for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, would, it would be great for all of us
2: it would yeah
0: we've got you on board for the operation <laughs> Guardian, then.
2: absolutely Good.
0: another name on the petition
2: yeah tell me what i need to do
1: yeah yeah i want to talk about this um you wrote this blog post like uh, a month ago uh, called smoking or smoker mm-hmm. i feel like kind of relating to what you've been talking about you quit drinking you quit drinking because of the pandemic.
2: I just really probably should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> for a while. It, it,
1: it was the thing. It was the spark to get you to stop.
2: Yeah. Also, just not working in a bar anymore. Oh, okay. It was like a good opportunity to stop.
1: You're talking in this thing about smoking, though. You 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 repicked up smoking, mm-hmm. and you, you found comfort in smoking. Yeah. Are you still smoking? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes. Yeah. I like. Uh, Not, not like every day, not even like every week, but I do like yesterday when I was telling you, I went to this outdoor show and I'm still like easing back into like socializing. I was like, I'm going to get fucking cigarettes because everybody's going to be drinking. And I, it's going to be weird to see a ton of friends that I haven't seen in two years. So I bought some cigs. Yeah, I
1: did. <laughs> I appreciated this. I'm an ex-smoker myself. I quit when I was 30, almost 31. So for me, that's like 15 years ago. Mm. Um, but I did. It was a very, very difficult thing because I was fully addicted by the time I quit. I was smoking. Uh, between one and two packs a day.
2: Mm. Yeah, and, that's a lot.
1: Yeah, but you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of memories of smoking being a very positive part of my life, which is sort of hard to talk about and admit because you don't want to, well, at least I don't want to restart. So it's, I, I try not to be, I try to be very, I try to be very black and white about smoking, but the reality is that, yes, I had a lot of great experiences, a lot of great conversations, a lot of bonding time with people because of smoking. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that you talked about in this blog post that you talked about those aspects of it
2: yeah i I think it's i loved it i mean i still do i don't want to romanticize it either but i definitely feel like especially like playing music or touring anything like that like you it's nice to have something i mean obviously you can just be like i'm gonna go outside um (laughs) like that like we all can do that but for some reason it's like oh i'm gonna go smoke and then like the other smoker on the tour goes out and then, then you're like, Oh, we're best friends now. Or I don't know. It's nice. And I'm trying to allow myself to have some cigarettes sometimes if I need them. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, it's also a horrible thing to do, especially (laughs) right now, but I don't know. What can you do?
0: Sure. There's a part in that blog post where you, you talk about being a teenager and going to shows and on the ride there looking through the booklet of, you know, mm-hmm. ska and punk bands to make sure that you're studied up on them in case somebody does the bullshit thing of questioning you about your authenticity mm-hmm. and and about doing that with bands you didn't like.
2: Yeah. Name, I mean,
0: name Name one of those bands you didn't like.
2: I mean, I definitely... <laughs> I definitely didn't like the dead Kennedys and I, and I pretended that I did for so long. Like I was also there in the Poconos where I grew up, like there wasn't that many punk kids in general. And there wasn't, there was only like two women that hung out and obvious, I mean, times have changed. I will say, I think things are way better now, but like people, I like, people didn't believe that I liked music. Like, I always felt like I had to, like, prove myself. And you're also, when you're young, I feel like everybody's, you're just kind of bullshitting a lot anyway. Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah, I love the Dead Kennedys. Oh, my God, they're so great. (laughs) Like, no, I don't. I hate this. This It's horrible. But I did, I was able to find bands that I really loved in that time as well. But, yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of bullshitting. But I, I think that that's kind of normal. Definitely. Like, there's so much, mon- so many times I see. I feel like I see it on Twitter now, even with like young people now, where it's like, you want to be a part of something, so you're just gonna be like, yeah, I like that, and you probably don't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's not true. I feel like people. That's why there's like bands that are super hyped up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my opinion.
1: I I think like you know that's one of the cool things about ska is because. For the most part, it's not something that people feel inclined to lie about liking. If anything, they want to maybe downplay that the fact that they like it. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. is, you know, like you're saying, the um, that's a that's part of what makes the scene so cool is because everybody's there. You know, maybe they went through a process of admitting or, or claiming it, not like, oh, you know, it's not they're not really gaining anything by by putting Scott on their like identity.
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly why I've always been attracted to it. And later in life, when I find out someone, like, also liked Ska growing up, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, because I'm sure we've all experienced, like, the the punk like hierarchy kind of thing where like, I don't know if it even exists that much anymore, but being like you, you're like, you're not punk enough if you don't know this and this and this and that. And like, that didn't really exist in that smaller ska scene as much, which made me feel more comfortable. If that makes sense.
1: I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't feel like there's maybe, I would say maybe there's a segment of ska people that are really, um, maybe that way about ska history, you know, mm-hmm. but not, not so much about like, are you down with the cool, are you hip with the new bands? I feel like that's much less of a thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: Can we, can we talk a little bit about the simple pleasures, seven inch? Sure. Uh, Mike Park was just gushing endlessly about this release when, it, when it came out, can you just tell us a little bit about how it came about and what it is?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like Sheena and Anika and I are honestly just really good friends, and Kaitana would tour with Lemuria a lot, and Anika toured with Lemuria, I think they went on one of Lemuria's, like, last long tours, and L- Lemuria ended, Kaitana ended um, around the same time, I was feeling really bummed. Sheena and like Lemuria in general were definitely a huge, huge inspiration for me when I was younger. Um, and I think Sheena was going through a really rough time, like personally. And we were like, let's just record a few songs so we have an, an excuse to hang out. Um, like, just come, they came up to the studio and. It was super cold. I think we were only there for like a week and we were like, let's just record these songs for fun. And I'm pretty sure that's when we just like I asked Mike being like, do you think you'd want to put this out? Because he had put out, you know, Lemuria stuff and he was really into it. And he was like, I would love to. And it was just for it. Honestly, was just for fun. And I had such a great time. We've been talking about doing it again um, just because it was like low pressure Um I, I wish we would have been able to tour more because it was honestly really nice. Just the three of us like in a car, but yeah, it was just honestly because we wanted to hang out and all of us needed something positive to work on together.
1: What year was this?
2: I think this was 2019. This oh. is the year of my <laughs> gloom. or <laughs> <We're laughs> like, uh, yeah, that it must've been.
0: Going back to kind of what, what we were talking about, you know, the kind of, uh, people who will test you and, and, you know, say like, oh, see how punky really are. Mm -hmm. Putting out music on Asian Man Records, which started as a a ska, ska punk label. Did you ever feel like there was any of that like weirdness from that sort of click?
2: No, because I think by the time I actually started playing music, I didn't really surround myself with people like that anymore. That's good. Yeah. Like once I moved to Philly and I, I started having like really good friendships and not being around a bunch of like cranky, cranky boys (laughs) i didn't have to i i feel like everything was fine and i i didn't really care about that stuff or really hear about it i'm super happy because i love especially now that i'm you know i don't know how much i don't know what my musical future will look like at this point especially with the way the world is right now but i'm so i feel so happy that i've been able to put music out on asian man like, it is such an honor to me that if I could, if, I don't know, if I could continue to release music, that would be great. But I'm still just, that's something that I'm really proud of that I've got to do in my life.
1: That's awesome. Gladys started as a um, sort of just like um, like a song a day or a song, like, wasn't it wasn't just sort of like a little project that you were doing initially. That wasn't really a band
2: yeah yeah i just i was still in kaitana at the time but i had a lot of songs that were like too uh slow or like i was like ah, i don't know if this is a good kaitana Ki- song and i would just send them to two of my friends we did like a little songwriting challenge uh yeah, okay and then when Kaitana ended, I was like, "All right, this is the band now. <laughs> We're, this is this is who I am now."
1: 2019 is when you really wrote and recorded the bulk of the Safe Sins LP. Yeah, like
2: 2018, 19 was when I I was writing that record.
1: You described it in interviews before as optimistic and sad, but you kind of talking about it now more in the sad category than the optimistic. Do you do you still stand by it being like? kind of a juxtaposition of being optimistic and sad.
2: I think so. I think that's my nature. I think like I, I'm the time in my life now, looking back, I was like, Oh, that was a sad time. But I feel like I try and write optimistically the same time. You know what I mean? I think Scott does that too. Honestly. Yeah. Like happy music, sometimes sad content. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would like to think I'm a, I'm a, naturally depressed person, but I'm ultimately a very optimistic person. It doesn't really make sense, but it does.
1: (laughs) I
0: think that's where a lot of, you know, artistic people end up landing. I mean, otherwise, you would just let your depression keep you from creating anything, but that optimism keeps you going and keeps you
1: putting things out into the world. Totally. You tend to write a lot of songs. Lyrics first. I don't know if that's specific to Gladie or just in general as a songwriter.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I normally write at the same time. I'm not a very strong musician, honestly. Like I, not a great guitar player at all, and but I really like writing songs. But and uh, this year I've been I'm having some issues with my hands, so I was writing a lot of songs on keyboard. Um, just started. Getting back to playing guitar, like pre- preparing to play shows again, um, but yeah, normally it's just at the at the same time, or I'll write something in my in my notes on my phone, you know, save it for later. But yeah, normally lyric, lyrics first.
1: But for this record, a lot of the lyrics came first. What was that process like, and, and did the lyrics kind of inspire song uh, music, or was it then just like a new puzzle to solve? I feel like a new puzzle,
2: you know, I, uh, I usually will have like a, a big word document in my phone or on Google notes or whatever, where I keep like stream of consciousness word, like little song, song ideas, and then try and like figure out how it will come together um with, with Gladys stuff like a lot of like the soundscapey like synth stuff um my partner does um he's really good at building that stuff i mean that's what he does for work yeah so he helps a lot with that kind of stuff cuz m- most of mine is so simple when i'm like writing a song it's like very very bare bones and then we've built it up together
1: you were mentioning before about music your relationship to music during the pandemic and and you talked about it in terms of what you're listening to but um What's been your relationship to music in terms of as a creator in the last year and a half?
2: I don't know. I think I had I think it's weird when I I, mean, I don't know if everybody feels this way but like getting older or being like oh I'm like in my mid 30s like I don't know if I should continue to like try and do this in a way where it's sustainable like you know sacrificing a career or or like, should I, you know, I've had a lot of like mental breakdowns of being like, am I even good at this? Like, why am I wasting my time? Um, I'm a fraud, you know, like a lot of dark, like thoughts, like, why should I even be doing this anymore? But then I think with the pandemic, it was like, oh, because I really like this. It's what makes me happy. It, um, and I really enjoy writing songs and I love playing them. Um, so in a way, it kind of helps, especially with like the chaos of the world. And it doesn't seem to be stopping. I've definitely had a, a point of being like. What a gift that was given to me to be a music fan. And to later in life, be able to like have the guts to finally do it. Um, like, kind of have, having one of those, like, life is too short. Like, what am I going to, am I going to be happy being, like, an accountant or something? Like, it's, that's not going to work for me. Um, So, kind of just being, like, if I can just figure out a way to be able to pay my bills and still be able to do this, then I'll be happy. But that's complicated sometimes. Like, I had a lot of, like, seeing my friends that are now, like, like I have a good friend that's like a dentist, and like people who are successful, and they're having kids and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm still like holding on to this like teenage dream of being like, I just want to play music and like be in the van and meet people and go places. Like, I get. I think everybody gets to a point of being like. Sometimes when I tell people like, oh yeah, I'm playing shows, I I feel like I have this idea that people are like, really, you're still trying to do that, <laughs> but. <laughs> It doesn't matter. I mean, like, look at the world. It's like, all right, I'm going to do the thing that feels right.
1: Yeah. I think the last year and a half has been a weird time of being like, well, everything's harder now. And that makes everything more stressful and it makes all your dreams more challenging. But it also kind of shows you that those things that matter to you matter and are, are more important, even if even if even regardless of all how challenging everything is and how much stress is involved, like when you, when you strip it away, when you want to think back to your life, or, I mean, do you really want to be, do you want to think back to these moments where you're, you know, engaged in music or, or the friendships you've made, not the successes you've had in a job you couldn't care about?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's, I think that was so interesting when like the pandemic first hit too, And everyone was like, we were all, not that we're not still terrified now, but we were so scared in the beginning of being like, holy shit, the world is literally, you know, there's not food in the grocery stores, whatever. What did people turn to, to soothe themselves? Music, television shows, (laughs) books, like these, they're what we create to help each other. You know, it's like the, in my heart, music. At least for me, is the one thing that f- feels good in this world, and it is important. I feel like that was a great way to show people. Like when all the shows got canceled, I feel like a lot of people realized how important it was to them. Like even people buy like Bandcamp Day. I nobody's bought my music so much <laughs> until this, like till this, because I think people realize like, oh wow. Can't do anything anymore.
1: the only live music I've seen so far has been um three events that have been attached to my um my book events, so they're just acoustic performers and um it was dan pothouse and and we did a, we did an event in oakland Adam was there and then recently I went to Southern California and we had a read from we had the union um half past two and scott Scott Suni misu they all did shows. And then um, in Arizona, like two days later, we did an event and uh, Sean from AJJ performed acoustic. And these, everybody who played, including Sean, Dan, all of them, it's like it was very emotional for them because even, I think they've probably played a few shows, but this, like the sheer lack of it in their life was so like kind (laughs) of devastating and they did get to do it again just to be playing as acoustic songs in front of 40 people Mm -hmm. was absolutely meaningful and important and emotional and for me as a viewer same way like emotional every single time watching these watching these people play music
2: well, it's, th- it's weird to think about, I'm sure for all of us, we've all been probably consistently going to shows since we were young. Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm.
2: this is the longest gap in our adult life that we haven't seen music. It's, it is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It is. And it feels nice. And I, I think it, 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 I don't know if you guys would agree, but I definitely feel more grateful for it. Like, even yesterday when I was like, Oh, I'm really tired. Cause I had worked a bunch. It's like, I should, I'm going to go to the show. Oh, I'm going, you know, or maybe I would be like, Oh, I'm just not going to go tonight. Like I want to see it because we don't know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. There were so many cases before, before this all happened where, you know, somebody would be playing a show and I would flake on going <laughs> because I was just like, Oh, I can see him another time. I'm too tired. I, I will never do that again.
2: I know. Before, before the pandemic, my boss gave me a ticket to see Bjork in New oh, York. Wow. And he was like, yeah, just have this ticket. And it, he, it was like a super expensive ticket I would never be able to afford. And I remember being like, nah, you know, I don't want to go to New York. I would have to take the, the bus and I'm like exhausted. I'm so bad that I didn't go see Bjork. Oh, for free. man. I was so stupid. <laughs> so dumb
1: yeah I, I i did not see a lot of shows in 2019 because of like what i said earlier about writing my book i just didn't have the time and so kind of in like december january february like i was basically done with my book just doing some minor stuff so i did start going to shows again you know i, I one of the ska shows i saw or one of the shows i saw was a ska show and it was mustard plug and toasters and like i remember just like having this thought in my head like Hey, you know what? I'm just gonna fucking dance the entire set. Oh,
2: like, nice! You, you know what
1: I mean? I'm just like, you know, because you, you know, you get, you know, your 40s and you start feeling like, Ooh, whatever, you know, dumb thoughts like that. And so I was, I'm just gonna fucking dance. And I was like, and, and I had such a good time. I was like, I'm gonna, I should really just keep that spirit alive, you know. And then I was skanking, and then that's you know, awesome. And then there's no more shows.
2: But that's great. You did. Maybe your body. <laughs> Maybe your body knew. I need to get one last. <laughs> I need to get one last skank in. Yeah, and you're gonna live to skank again.
1: I'm gonna live to skank again. <laughs> Mark my words.
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna skank again.
1: Yes. Like, or could I say, which three bands, the three band bill, could you go to and safely attend? No worries about uh, coronavirus, and you could skank all night. Which three bands would it
2: like? Be? I can make it up.
1: Yeah, you can make it up, but they have to it'd be they have to be alive or somewhat existing. So you can't say Op Ivy or uh, any band like that.
2: Hmm. I mean, I would still love to see less Jake again. I i got to I have this gross story about how they played at Fest a few years ago. And unfortunately, I was very drunk and I was like, can I um, skank in the Lesson Jake head? You know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did on stage it was so embarrassing like uh I can't believe my bandmates let me do that um they should have held me back or something because I remember it smelled like puke inside so bad oh no and then the next day I woke up to like a million videos of me on stage skanking so poorly in that fucking mask uh, but I would love to see them again.
0: <laughs> it, it can't be any, it can't be any worse than, than Matt Skia skanking during the chinkies at the Asian man records. Reunion show.
2: Was it bad? Was it a bad skank?
0: Matt was just really hammered.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't look good when you skank too drunk, you know?
1: Okay. So we have less than Jake. Okay. So we need two more bands.
2: I would probably say like Streetlight. That would be fun for me. You
1: might manifesto. Okay.
2: The specials they're dead. Huh?
1: they're they're still around you can claim specials if you want you don't get to skank to the 1980 version of the specials yeah
2: i would like that i feel like that would be fun
1: okay less than jake street light manifesto and the specials
2: that would be a good show i feel like people would come out
1: yeah how do you feel about once
0: we do get back to really doing shows like really doing shows how do you feel about like mixed band bills
2: i think that's fun yeah I really do. I think it's I think it's kind of boring to not do that sometimes. Like I I don't know. Uh ha- having a show that would be like a ska band, an indie band, a punk band would be really cool for me personally. I don't know if people would would get down with that.
0: I think I hope they would. I mean that's that's what I'm pushing for in the future. I want more shows where it's not just four of the same band. Oh, gosh, I don't even want to show with four bands, though.
1: I want three bands.
2: <laughs> yeah, three bands. Three band, baby. Four yeah. band too much.
1: Too many. I think the bands want it. I think the people want it. I think that it's the promoters and the club owners that are pushing for the same style band bills because they're nervous about taking risks and uh, losing money. I think, I think it's what the people want, and we got to push them to do the right thing
2: i also feel like it's nice to have mixed bills because especially with like spotify and stuff like how people find out about music i don't know it'd be cool because like just your average person would be exposed to way more than they are right now
1: mm-hmm. yeah. like
2: the same bands just tour with the same bands forever
1: let's mix it up
2: yeah let's shake it up <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the show wherever you normally download podcasts. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at In of Scott. You can also sign up for my newsletter at aaroncarnes.substack.com. You will get the podcast sent directly to your inbox every Wednesday. In Defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co host Adam Davis has a great band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And on that note, we leave you by saying Ska now more than ever. Thank you.